Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Good afternoon, Kim. How are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I am fantastic. And uh, I will share with the audience, Kim is giddy. I think I'll use giddy. <laughs> I am giddy. This, this podcast is going to be fantastic. And, and she, the only thing she would tell me is that she has a surprise for me. And I, I don't know what that oh, is. I have Did you get your donkey? surprises for you. No, I don't oh. have the donkey yet. Okay, just checking. Okay, I thought maybe that yeah. was a surprise. No, no. I have surprises for you because I know how you love statistics. Oh, I do. And so I am all geeked out with statistics. And usually I send you all that stuff ahead of time, but I didn't this time. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going so. in blind, but you did give me the title. Do you want to say it or can I? You can. Okay. Consumption Dynamics and the Pollution Solution. I just love that. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that just roll off the tip of your tongue? Absolutely. It rhymes fantastically. And uh, or I'm going to do that again. It rhymes beautifully. And I, I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I went down so many rabbit holes mm-hmm. researching this. I had such a great time. All right. Stayed well, up way too late. So oh, let's, I bet. let's get on it. Yeah, I so and, and I will say. say that the pollution solution is pretty straightforward to me. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot, obviously, just because of the, the part of the title, that makes sense to me. But consumption dynamics isn't something that I've really heard about before, honestly. Yeah. All so right. what what is it? That's a good question. I hope you know. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I have some I have some thoughts around it, and and I want to talk about that. So all right, we we know there's a pollution crisis. We've known mm-hmm. that for a long time. We have a major climate crisis. Uh, we we know that. Yep. We know also that there's an increase in consumer goods that are labeled sustainable or organic. Mm-hmm. If we look around and we compare that to even just a few years ago, we can see that there's this huge number now of products that are labeled green or sustainable or organic or... Mm-hmm. Free range. I mean, there's any number of of, of items that are now ha- now have those labels. So, who's driving that? It's the consumers, right? Mm-hmm. I would hope yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and people want that, and it, it wouldn't be they wouldn't be around if people weren't demanding it or wanting it or buying it. So, it's it's a what we would call a, a the dynamic around consumerism. People want that. They're looking for it. They're buying it. And mm-hmm. so corporations are providing it for them. Yeah, so, that makes yeah. sense because, again, what the people want is what you want to produce. So exactly. if there's some accountability there, then or pressure, if you will, by the public, I think that that's obviously what drives that market. Right. So it starts with the consumer. Then it's the producer or the corporations. Mm-hmm. And also there are certainly government actions around that as well because if something's labeled organic it has to meet specific requirements for that yeah so 
And as I mentioned, we both kind of love statistics, so I have some. <laughs> All right. And I, like I said, I'm very full of them today. So I'm going to start off with that, with some statistics around that. And early in the 2010s, around, well, if we look at early in the 2010s, the S&P 500, which is, as we tell our clients, the a broad market index, uh, people always talk about that in the nightly news, like the Dow mm -hmm. did this or the S&P did that. But the S&P is the broad market index, mostly large cap U.S. stocks. Mm -hmm. So the S&P had about 20% of those companies disclosing any kind of ESG data. 20%. Yeah. Not very not, many. Not a big number. Nope. Nope. But by the end of that decade, really, the last year, two years, around 85% of those companies are disclosing some kind of ESG data. Mm, that's a huge so change. It's a huge change. So in a 10-year period of time, we've seen a big jump. And you're wondering, well, how's that related to consumer dynamics? It's, it's related because, again, there's a demand in knowing what companies are doing on environmental, social, and governance issues mm -hmm. because people want to know. It's all related to what we're doing. Yeah. So this dynamic around consumerism is a huge shift to sustainable products and the increasing demand that we're seeing, not just in the U.S., but globally. So my question for you is, if we broke it down into age groups, who do you think has the highest demand? If we look at Generation Z, which is our youngest age group, up to age 20, excluding babies, of course, they don't buy. Mm -hmm. So teenagers, really. Millennials. Gen X, which is me. I'm a Gen mm -hmm. Xer. Baby boomers. And then... The, I don't know where this term came from. I'd never heard it before, but that silent generation, which is our oldest generation. Oh, I, I didn't know they're called the silent generation either. Yeah, I hadn't I, heard that. I mean, often I've heard it referred to as the greatest generation. But if we break it down into those five age groups, who do you think is driving this the most? Who would you guess? Oh, well, I'd like to say Gen X because I'm in there with you. Um, yeah. I'd like to say it's us, but I'm wondering if it's the millennials. You're right. Mm -hmm. It is the millennials. Way to go, millennials. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why there's been so much disparaging uh, of the millennial age group because they really are driving it. So millennials and Gen Z are the two highest groups num percentage wise that are driving this move towards sustainability so this is a study that i found from uh, 2017 done by nielsen we've heard hmm. of nielsen oh yes you know the tv <laughs> rating so they did this study gen z is around 80 percent in terms of their desire for sustainable products millennials 85 percent Mm. Then we have Gen X, which drops down to 79%. Mm, okay. Yeah, still pretty good. Yeah, still high. Yeah. 
yeah, it's still a pretty high percentage. And then baby boomers, who we all thought were the generation that were changing everything in terms of the hippie generation and all of that, right? Uh, 72%. It's a pretty big drop. And then the silent generation, 65%, hmm. which is a huge drop. They should speak up. They should speak up. That's how the generation is. Yeah. So I find that really interesting in terms of this. That in this this study that was done by Nielsen, it was a global study. And mm -hmm. of course, it's a pretty good sampling size. But 81% of global respondents still felt strongly that companies should improve the environment. And that's going to be very important when we talk about some, some statistics later, because 81% is a big pretty big percentage yeah. overall. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know. It, I don't know if that surprises me or doesn't surprise me. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that statistic specifically because it's, it's interesting. I think it's going to surprise you when right. we start talking about the global community. Okay. If we talk about who the most enthusiastic for company driven environmentalism is, this is where it gets interesting as we move beyond and that 81% statistic. Who do you think if we look at this in a global perspective? And again, this is where this surprise piece comes in that I promised you. You said global, are we talking about age groups again? Nope, global economy, global consumer dynamics. Well, Kim, you, you know that I would love to say it's the US. Mm-hmm. But you and I have spoken many times on this podcast that there are things in the U.S. That, that drive decisions and whether it's money or whatever, I think there's too much greed uh, within the United States personally. I think it's going to be, um, we're probably going to be looking at Europe someplace. That's what we would think, Europe, because they've always been very progressive, mm -hmm. but it's not. Really? It's emerging market consumers. All right. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. We think that's very shocking. I was fascinated when I read this. And I did so much research when I first read this. I thought, why? Why is this? And the reason, many reasons actually, is because they're dealing with environmental hazards every day in their lives. And they're really searching for solutions. So it's, it's really not a surprise because we're thinking about water pollution, mm -hmm. air pollution, food sources, better food sources, the production. I mean, emerging markets, China, India, they're major sources of production for so many products in, in, in already industrialized countries, hmm. U.S., Europe. So they're dealing with all of the after effects of all of those pieces. It's it's just a fascinating piece of of this whole puzzle. Yeah, I, so I, we're going to talk. I'll, honestly, I wouldn't have thought that, and and maybe I'm a little biased, but I mean, you mentioned China, mm -hmm. and that that surprises me mainly because of, and and this is maybe I'll just say this out loud. It's my opinion, but I think a lot of people would agree with me that the quality of product coming from China over the last couple decades has not been great as far as sustainability of the product itself, right? It, it, right? So much 
and, and I guess this is my own soapbox, but so many, I have so many issues with poorly made products that break very easily and quickly, which end up in landfills. And so therefore, I think that's an environmental hazard that I think businesses need to be held accountable for as well. Are you making a disposable product, even though it's supposed to last a lot longer than it did, because there's nowhere else for it to go, right? Besides trying to recycle something, but Right. Um, and I understand where you're me. coming from. Yeah. yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But they're producing products that the U.S. is demanding. They're oh, not absolutely. producing products. I'm not saying they're that, totally to blame. Right. Yeah. Right. But they're not producing those products for themselves. They, China, for example, is the world's biggest energy consumer because of this production line, mm-hmm. which is a significant pollution challenge. Mm-hmm. So when that comes, you know, that comes down to air quality. And they also, on top of that, now have big sustainability initiatives from that, from curbing coal-fired power plants to investing in green technology Mm -hmm. on top of that. In 2016, only 10% of Chinese companies had any kind of corporate uh, social and environmental initiative uh, according to a sustainability consulting firm called Sintao. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Uh, and, and one year later, there was a Bloomberg data study that showed the ESG reporting within Chinese corporations that showed there was a big upside, gaining 33% reporting mm. and outperforming the companies in the Hang Seng Chinese Enterprise Index. Oh, that's a big jump. So, yes, it is a big jump. During this same time period, Chinese consumer confidence and their willingness to spend on uh, eco-minded, uh, eco-friendly products grew. Mm-hmm. Around 41% of Chinese consumers say that they were willing to spend money on eco-friendly products. So it's a newer mindset for them. And also Hmm. we're talking about a strong middle class growing in China, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that because we could sure use that here. Yes, we could. Hmm. And India is the same way. So there's a huge pollution problem, a huge problem with water, a huge problem with same types of situations in India. They don't have the same type of middle class happening there, but uh, they're they're looking for solutions for for all of these issues and moving towards more sustainable products within their country and within their own purchasing power. So it's not about the products that they're shipping out of country. It's about the things that their consumers are buying. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's a very fascinating piece of this whole puzzle. And so the global perspective is changing and it's not always just about Europe and the U S. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to see that. I mean, that's like you said, it, it, it was very surprising to me and that basically it tells the U S and Europe that we have a lot of catching up to do with attitudes. Exactly. So there, part of this other Nielsen study showed that the enthusiasm for company-driven environmentalism is very, very strong. In India, 90% of the, 
of the corporate respondents, so it's not 90% of companies, but the companies that responded to the study questionnaire, mm -hmm. said that they were extremely, or it was very important that the companies implemented programs to improve the environment in, in terms of what they were doing internally for their production. So they might be producing a poor product that was being shipped overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you said, you know, the Chinese products or even Indian products, but they wanted internal corporate responsibility in terms of waste, energy usage, Mm -hmm. Because it affected their country. Yes. Yeah. And so let me ask you this, because what this brings to mind is that the United States went through its industrial revolution, right? Yes. Where we were creating products. We were, I mean, there was there was a lot of pride in Made in USA and just that entire time frame, we were cranking stuff out, right? Yes. However, <laughs> we didn't have the mindset. We didn't have the global spotlight on anything environmental at that point. And does it seem to you now that China and India are kind of going through their own industrial revolution where they are producing the the increase in production of products is likened to our industrial revolution, but because the the environmental stage has been set for the last two decades or so, in my opinion, it's just on the forefront, and so they're doing it the right way? That's exactly what it is. I think that's got to be. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right? And, and I wouldn't say they were, they're doing it the right way. They've been doing it the wrong way, but they're moving faster into the right way than yeah. we did. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, um, a gentleman named Regan Leggett, who is the executive director of Thought Leadership and Foresight. And he said recently, within the last couple of years, talking about uh, these emerging market countries mm -hmm. facing, who are facing rapid urbanization and a growing disparity between classes, that many people in emerging markets are experiencing a harsh reality of pollution in this post-modern industrial age, which is what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. As a result, sustainability has become an urgent urgent opportunity for companies to connect with consumers who are excited about change, which is exactly what you just said. Hmm. Wow. So, so let me ask you this. I don't know if it's on your report, but how does Mexico play into this? How are they doing? Very similarly. The, so the source of this is the Conference Board Global Consumer Confidence Survey. Mm -hmm. Again, this is the in collaboration with the Nielsen study. So emerging market countries ranked the the top five interestingly enough colombia mexico indonesia philippines and brazil wow so china and india are not even in the top five and these are the company or countries <laughs> i keep saying companies these are the countries that are uh, emerging market com countries that are pushing sustainability the most <sighs> I'd be. I'd like to be in the top five. I'd like to be in the top ten. I don't even want to ask you where we fall. I'll, We're not in the top ten. No European country is in the top ten. No U.S. I mean, U.S. obviously isn't there either. Yeah, is Canada? How about Canada? How are we doing? No. Okay. No. See, North America. Come on now. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. The next thing 
that I found is a new phrase that I'd never heard before called emotional sustainability. You, really? Emotional mm-hmm. sustainability? Yeah. And I thought when I read that, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> That's Again, what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And th- there was another rabbit hole. I, <laughs> I had to really dive into that. And I thought, what? How does that relate? Because, and, and I'm going to get to this pollution solution. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it uh, in terms of the sustainability piece, and some of it's semi obvious, but mm-hmm. emotional sustainability. And I'm thinking, what is this? And it was fascinating as I started reading different pieces around this, but there is this thing that we've seen in the last few years about pledging to eliminate single-use plastics, Mm -hmm. pledging to not use straws anymore. It's it's the reactive piece of sustainability. Uh, You see a picture of a turtle with a straw in its nose, Mm -hmm. which is awful, right? And all of a sudden, we're going to eliminate straws everywhere. Not that these are not important things, because single-use plastics is a huge problem. Yeah. If you look at, you can, you can look on the, the internet and see these photographs of these miles wide plastic, I don't even know what you would call them, but the, the mounds of plastic in the ocean. Yeah, it's where they all, it all converges for whatever yes. reason, right? It's, it's like a vortex of plastic crap. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And oh, and it just churns and churns and churns and it breaks up into microplastics and mm-hmm. the fish eat it and then we eat it. Yes. Yeah. The amount of plastic that we actually put in our bodies is probably some insane amount, right? So this becomes this emotional s- sustainability piece. So we become passionate about uh, a thing and uh, it just happens for us and then we become suddenly sustainable or even more passionate about it. So it, and then it turns into this uh, all or nothing, which it doesn't have to be. Uh, It would be great if we all became 100% sustainable, but honestly, it's impossible Mm -hmm. for everybody to do it 100%. If we can do it 5% this month, and a little 6% the next month. And, you know, whatever it takes to move in that direction is wonderful. But this notion of corporate sustainability isn't new, particularly for these global multinational companies. It's evolved, it's gained steam, and it will happen the same for us individually. I really like this other quote from a woman named Crystal Barnes, who's a senior... VP of Global Responsibility and Sustainability. It doesn't actually say what company she was at. But she talks about hero brands. And again, that comes into our emotional sustainability piece. She's talking about the, the growing boldness of marketing messages, which really play into our emotional piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the commitment that brands are willing to take to play on our emotional sustainability. So they're, they're taking a stance on social and political issues and making commitments 
they are really making true commitments to eliminate waste, but they're um, making this extreme play on what she says is at the, at the extreme end, we're seeing brands being personified, being referenced as brave brands or hero brands, which pushes at our emotions. And I think it was 2015 when I think 22% of Super Bowl commercials were sustainable related, huh. which is interesting because we're talking Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that has just increased over the last five years, f four years. Did she give any examples? Not in this particular quote, and I didn't go back and look to see what the Super Bowl commercials were. Or just brands. I was thinking brands and, and yeah. or products, mm -hmm. but interesting. Huh? No, but I think we could easily look and, and see, it, especially if I went back and looked at the Super Bowl commercials, which I might do. You know there me. you go. I know you will. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, YouTube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the continuing on this survey, this was a pretty big survey, 73% of consumers say they would definitely change their cons consumption habits to reduce their environmental impact. 73%. And there's four factors that they look that they would look at uh, that the study looked at. Their ability to spend, the convenience, the awareness, and the price. And when we talk about price, I'm not talking about low price. They're willing to spend almost 50% of them more to buy a product because it is more sustainable. Hmm. And that's great news, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for. Yep. Um, hmm. I like that. I do too. So what is this pollution solution and where's the connection between consumer dynamics, climate change, course correction? What is all of this? How does this all come together? Consumers in big markets and small markets are really increasingly challenged by uh, being environmentally conscious and how they exercise their power, their voice, the products they buy. <laughs> you know, this, this shift, I think, feels really urgent to a lot of people. There's so much to think about in terms of, do we buy an electric car? How does that work? Is, is organic good? Is natural good? Is, is you know, what's playing on our emotions versus what really makes a difference? Free range versus this thing, grass fed. It's, there's so many things that we have to look at and, and how do we pay attention to all of this? Nine in 10 people around the world, it, it, this is, blows my mind, but nine in 10 people around the world are currently breathing air that is highly polluted, according to who? Not a, I'm not asking you a question, but <laughs> the World Health Organization. <laughs> pop I quiz. Like, I don't know the answer to this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say. Pop quiz, Eric, pop quiz. People that no, are a lot smarter than me, is that the answer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but according to the World Health Organization, nine in 10 people are really? breathing highly polluted air. I, again, I mean, I guess. Uh, most of us here in the United States, I think, live such a sheltered life when it comes to that type of situation or talk about clean water, same thing. I go to the tap, I turn on my water. For most of the United States, you can just put a glass under it and drink it. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, yeah. And so we don't think about how many people in the world and, have to travel to get clean water or they just, you know, they have to do some sort of... Unless you live in Flint, Michigan. They, well, that's true. We, I wasn't going to bring mm-hmm. up Flint, but you did. So yeah. uh, I'm sorry, Flint. This is this yeah. is not about you guys. But the, the same thing with air is that, and, and again, I'm, you know, in the Midwest and it's not densely populated. So maybe that's, obviously that's one of the reasons. You're, yeah. you're in a beautiful state with a city that really takes environment environmental sustainability and just the environment serious. And so you guys have made huge strides there. But, man, 9 out of 10, that's, that's terrible. But we also live in fire country all around us. And that yeah, will true. cause a lot of air quality issues. And that is environmentally caused. Dry drought seasons will cause a lot of fires mm-hmm. and that is a lot of a lot of it's due to climate change uh it, here's another really sad statistic based on that but there's over four million deaths a year related to air pollution people hmm. in emerging countries from southeast asia to the eastern mediterranean regions are the ones who are bearing the brunt of this impact and that's just talking about air. We're not even talking about water yeah. and the diseases from polluted water. So, yeah, it's a similar story. And then industrial agriculture, single-use plastics are big pollution problems, which we talked about briefly. Who pays this cost? Who ultimately pays if we don't change? It's the consumer. So, yeah, we have to think about all of these things. And corporate responsibility and sustainability strategies all take different shapes around the world. We talked about the emerging markets piece, U.S., Europe, different strategies, different concepts on how that works. One thing's really clear. Consumers are using their spending power to affect change, the change they want to see all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's not a trend. Companies cannot sidestep this anymore. Whether they're using our emotions to do what they think is going to make them a buck, it's really not a trend because consumers really are driving this. Even if corporations think they might be, consumers are. Sooner or later, whether it's government regulation, force of nature, (laughs) um, public outcry, companies are going to respond in a more, I think, purposeful way. And governments have to respond. They need to respond if they haven't already. Even this government who's pulled back a lot of regulations, they're going to need to do it. It's really personal. It's personal for us. It's personal for for folks who live in in these emerging markets. And there's this, I'm going to narrow this down to a threefold action plan of what's happening. Consumer demand corporate response and involvement, and government action. So to sum it all up, we've discussed the consumer dynamics and how that results in the pollution solution. All right. I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) You thought we were done. (laughs) We're not done. I'm going to pose a question to you because this has now been on sure. my mind ever since you talked about the turtles with the straw in his nose. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and actually I've seen that picture and it's, it's, it's horrifying. So we're going to take straws for instance, because mm-hmm. here is my question 
for, for all of us, I guess, but you're the expert here. So we say plastic straws are bad. We can all agree with that. Plastic straws are bad. The amount of plastic straws that get thrown into the wind and end up in, in the water one way or another is, is terrible. So then we change to paper straws. Mm -hmm. Now, how much, you know, and paper bags, right? At the store, we're, we're using more paper bags than plastic bags. Now we're talking more paper products need to be created. Therefore, right. we're cutting down more trees. Now we know that there are action plans for sustainability when it comes to trees and how many they plant compared to how many they harvest, so on and so forth. Or you can do what my wife and I do, and that's we have both rubber straws and metal mm -hmm. straws, right? That are reusable, washable, so on and so forth. But then I was thinking, I was thinking, well, that's that's one step because when we we try, if we know we're going to be going and grabbing some fast food, we'll have them with us. My wife actually mm -hmm. keeps a couple in her purse, and we'll just not use their straws, whether they're paper or they're plastic. We say, oh, we don't need any straws. So, but now I, I was thinking about those rubber straws. I don't know where those were made. So if those were made in China mm -hmm. or anywhere else, then there's a cost of that production. I don't know what the company's doing if they're if they're environmentally friendly, but then they have to ship them here, which again uses fuel and there's this big circle, Kim. And how Absolutely. do we know, you know, how we can make that difference on all these different levels? Because you that scenario fits all three of those things, right? We we've got right. the government stepping in saying, Hey, we need to reduce this. We have corporations that need to be held accountable to the products that the rubber that they're using for those straws how they're doing it how they're creating that the pollution that's created by the corporation and then you know ultimately the consumer has to be responsible um, and the exactly. product sustainability so just that one situation what are your thoughts how, how do we make sure that we're doing the right thing because i don't want to hear in five years that i'm part of the problem because i've been using paper straws mm -hmm. right we cut down too it. many trees because eric uses too way too many paper straws right if you don't need a straw. Don't use it at all. <laughs> okay, that's my easy. Wife, Come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my wife says adults don't need straws. <laughs> True, unless funny. other adults in the car drive like my wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to have a lid on and then you have to have a straw to drink. Sorry. Okay, I'm not right. going to let her listen to no, this podcast. <laughs> I, I, get, I get it. Uh, some people like to use this a straw. Mm -hmm. uh, so... If you really need one, don't use a paper or plastic one. Have a silicone straw. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, in the long run, better than over your lifetime using a thousand plastic straws mm -hmm. that will never break down or more. But you're right. There is a cost for production. There's a cost for shipping. All of those things play in, into the factors here. And I think we have to balance all of that. Because again, when I tell clients about investing, there's no perfect company. There's no perfect solution. There's a better solution, but there's no perfect solution. And we also have to think about the, the jobs that we might take away. Mm -hmm. And if we can provide another job, there's also that. I did read somewhere in my research for this podcast that when widespread bag bans, plastic bag bans went into effect in this country, there was a city in India that shut down hundreds of plastic bag manufacturing plants 
that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. Which made me feel terrible. But then also I have to think about the environment too. So we have to think, where can we shift those jobs? So yeah. there has to be a balance. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's a lot to think of. Again, I, I'd never heard that before. So you can't just necessarily keep jobs to continue producing something that right. we know is harmful. Um, right. But there's, and, and again, we can't regulate other countries necessarily, but it'd be nice to know that India took it seriously and said, okay, if we're going to be shutting this down. What can we do to make sure these families are taken care of or we transition to something else? A better quality of product, yeah, a different type something. of product. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. A lot to think about, Kim. Always, Absolutely. always, every podcast. You give me so much to think about. I hope I can provide something for someone to think about. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Kim, so much for your time today. This was a fantastic podcast. And again, every listener out there, as you're learning along with me, it's going to bring up questions. And me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and you're doing the research. So you're learning and, and then just bringing this great, this great information. But as our listeners are listening and, and saying, okay, obviously she's doing a lot of research. We know that she is, is passionate about this and doing this within the investing world. They want to reach out and talk to you about it. How do they get a hold of you? They can reach us in a couple different ways. Call us on the phone, 505-982-9661, if they still call people on the phone. Hmm. <laughs> By email, info at horizonssfs.com. They can also find us on the website at horizonssfs.com. Perfect. Again, Kim, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. It's great to chat with you and talk about these interesting subjects. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in and joining us and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505 9829661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.